Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr. Uh, joining me, as always, smitten Minnesota Vikings fan, Ben Ross. Ben, how are you doing? You can call me Smirk Cousins because we just got the monkey off our backs. And I just can't imagine losing to Mr. 0-9 on Monday Night Games. Kirk Cousins himself. Congrats, Bears. I hope you're really proud of that club you got there. Use your use Cordell Patterson as your number one running back. That's smart. Change coordinators midseason. You know, good recipe. Nice ball club you got there. I'm happy for you. Oh, this is the second, <laughs> the second week in a row busting out the the uh, SNL Chicago accent. Not even, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm kind of immersed in it now, you know. I yeah, you trying to do that. you're as chicago as they come but ben before we get into it uh it is an exciting week because we we have a sponsor for this podcast uh this one is brought to you by foco usa foco that's f-o-c-o is the official face covering of the iowa hawkeyes and if you've been watching iowa football this season you've seen the new hawkeye face coverings and neck gaiters they look great they're high quality and now you can get them by going to foco.com. That is F-O-C-O dot com. And I do have to say, Ben, uh, the ones that that I saw on the website are fantastic. They've got like the, you know, the shoulder stripe. They have that on the face mask with a tiger hawk. Two tiger hawks, actually. So uh, some high quality apparel. And uh, we should have some samples uh, shortly that we can maybe provide a review of. So that is our sponsor for this week, uh, foco.com. I look forward to our first unboxing of in uh, Pants Party history. It, it's going to be fantastic, Ben, because um, uh, you no longer have your mustache to hide behind a face covering, which is a little sad, but uh, I get it. That, that <laughs> caterpillar had to be a little <laughs> more difficult to maintain. I'm just as sad about it as you are, you know. <laughs> I had, a, I had an important, you know, Skype call on Friday, or Zoom meeting rather, and <clears throat> just w- didn't want to uh, uh, rabble rouse the higher ups. <laughs> Who's this guy? Who's this guy with the mustache? <laughs> He's been, it's been here eight months. Never heard of him. First time seen. <laughs> what are we paying him again? Oh, man, I I had that moment a couple of times with the man bun, and it's like, stare straight ahead. Do not look to to either side and let anyone see that you have a man bun going, because, like, ah, there are VPs on this call, and uh, I I do have a nice shirt on. (laughs) You can, like, (laughs) it's like, you know it's there, but you can't prove it if you don't turn your head. Exactly. Like, I know. <laughs> I know it's right there, but <laughs> if you keep it st- straight, you know, 
Hands at uh, you know noon. Yeah, yeah, do. yeah. I have not been called out for it outside of my immediate team, which is I think a win. Uh, I think that the man bun's probably going to become a a little bit of a recurring bit on here, um, just because I I've been considering getting the haircut more and more. Uh, obviously, this is happening amidst the time that. COVID numbers, sadly, are only going up and up. So it's like, well, I probably missed my window to get a haircut. Uh, I'll see you in April. So that will have been almost like well over two years before I've gotten a real haircut, which my goodness. is crazy to think about. And crazy I can't get a text back. Uh, you know, I'm happy for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it feels good to do it. I'm glad you're able to get, get away with that. You're right on the getting things in you know i asked a friend if he wanted to go to costco one last time before lockdown started he's like we're already too late it's like there's already nothing there the shelves are bare so i don't know we'll just survive in advance you know i don't i thought we were over the hoarding portion of the pandemic but i guess not no no i i think my, my wife and i might have some uh canned fettuccine sauce that we have to dip into with our boxes and boxes of pasta that we have. That'll be, that'll be fun. I'm sure. I still have a dozen cans of tuna from when I originally panic bought them. So, you know, I, so I will you've live. Eaten is what I'm saying. Zero cans of tuna. <laughs> a dozen. Okay. You can make it. At, yeah. <laughs> you can make it at least I mean, five days. Oh, without question. <laughs> well, a little more happy news is uh, re-recapping the Iowa win, uh, which feels like a... Somehow it feels even longer ago. Oh, wait, that's because it was Friday, and we got a full weekend of sports in without having to watch anything other than the Iowa Hawkeyes. Or anything other than the Iowa Hawkeyes. I got that turned around. Um just kind of going through it again, Iowa 35-7, to they uh, jumped up 14 in the first half, didn't score until the fourth quarter because Minnesota had a 10-minute drive stall out uh, for zero points, and then they gave up what I like to call the Austin Arnaud, which is uh, the irrelevant touchdown to the number ones with the defense playing the number twos. So, Ben... Uh, any lingering thoughts from, uh, the game on Friday? I mean, honestly, no, I think Minnesota is kind of a dumpster fire. Uh, my only thoughts for people are really turning against Fleck quickly there, which I don't know. (laughs) I think, I think it's just, I mean, I, 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 I'm biased against him, but he's going to get another year at least as he should. Um, I think. Even if the wheels totally come off the season, I don't really see how they could fire him after the season he had last year. Um, other than that, honestly, no. It's it, we still think about how Iowa could have been in the driver's seat, even if it could, pulled off a win against Purdue or Northwestern. Um, I mean, it's just ifs and buts. Just classic Iowa season. The team is coming together halfway through the year. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to just talk about our kind of midseason thoughts because I think you hit it right on the head. Iowa looks like a very, very good team. Obviously, they've played 
two teams the last two games that may not be so good. Um, but to to put yourself in an 0-2 hole, and I was looking at it, um, Iowa really has done this with some regularity uh, under Ference at least the last um, four years. Last year, they started 1-2 and two in conference play. Uh, the year before, it was 3-1, and one, but that one was uh, a loss to Wisconsin to open the conference season. And, and then 2017, um, sorry, I, I think it was 1-2 and two again, or even 1-2. Uh, and two. and really, the, the thing that's frustrating there is you basically start the race late as a result. It, it doesn't give you a chance necessarily to keep with the leaders and have a chance at winning a division when you're already starting from behind. As we've seen, they've been able to finish well. They've been able to have the games like they had on Friday against Minnesota where that's a heck of a feather to put in your cap. You kept Floyd. Um, you put a hurt on P.J. Fleck. You got a quote out of it. But ultimately, you're 2-2. Two and two. You're... Um, two losses behind Wisconsin, your uh, two games, basically three games behind a 4-0 Northwestern team that if you had beaten them, you were up 17-0, you were good enough to get that lead, you should have been good enough to hold it. Um, you just start from a, a place where it's tricky to ever compete for a division title, which ultimately is the first goal that, that they should have. Um, at least, at least with respect to season-wide accomplishments. That was a nice full monologue uh, you had there, you know, but you hit everything, uh, hit all the nails on the head there, and it's just frustrating how, how many times we find, typically we don't, I was not out of the race until, well, I guess November. <laughs> 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 Got me there. <laughs> so, um, I guess I don't know what the equivalent is. So we're we're we're, we're ha- usually it's two thirds of the way of the season. I was out of the race now, or halfway through the season. But it, 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 you still can't really compare it. The abbreviation of the schedule and the timing simply doesn't make for math. I can do uh, live on a podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> um, this year just always. It's a little bit frustrating because I think going to the year we mutually sort of agreed that this was like a, a throwaway year, more or less. You know, the the people who we we agreed that the people who were clamoring for football the hardest would be the first people to abandon their team uh, when things were going poorly. And I actually can't say I've seen that. Have you? Like Nebraska would be the easy team. Penn State would be another easy team, I guess, but I don't, it doesn't really feel like that's happening, which I think I'm giving maybe the call greater college football landscape too much credit there. Uh, but it's just frust. you know, it, it, I'm actually kind of glad we, we had this feeling of Friday night of jubilation and feeling more investment in the team in the season than I have before. And it just, I, I remember after podcasting with you, the Northwestern game, just things were so dour. Um, it, it just wasn't fun. And <laughs> no, it really wasn't. Now 
we prepare for a Penn State team that's owned for. Uh, has Kirk ever beaten James Franklin? I don't think he has. Um, he is to Kirk Ferentz, James Franklin is what Kirk Ferentz is to Joe Paterno. And PJ Fleck. Well, did Joe? Oh, yeah, and PJ Fleck. You're right. Yeah. Did, did Joe ever? No, Joe beat Kirk though, didn't he? Was he winless? Uh, Kirk Ferentz had a very. I know he had a great lopsided. But Joe still beat a couple Kirk times. Yeah, he has yeah. to. He had to have. Anyway. Um, so it's just, and then there's the obvious letdown game. You've got strong opinions on Penn state. You don't think they're nearly as bad as the record suggests. You'll, you'll get the chance to talk about that. Um, so what I'm trying to say is it just feels like football right now, even for a moment for a week. And, uh, the fact that we're able to have this conversation this way, I think it's just, a, I don't know, just makes things kind of weirder. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's a little existential, right? Um, yeah. Mentioned the numbers going up, and it's like, oh wow, we're actually having a conversation about how Iowa started slow and looks really good right now, and we're both just constantly on the lookout for someone to come up and kick us in the nuts because they, the, the Iowa Hawkeyes, won't bring it against Penn State, who is a desperate team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels normal, um, and, and I think the normalcy feels weird, um, but I, I think it's also, this is why people wanted it back, it is to find the normalcy where they can. It's being done as safely as it can be, in my estimation. Um, I, I think through four weeks, if we're speaking broadly, to only have um, three games canceled because of two specific teams that that feels like a, a pretty high hit rate. Um, just doing the math, that's ninety percent of games that are uh, have gone on. Um, it, it's weird because there's so much going on, but I, I think it's a credit to a lot of these schools that they've adhered to protocols, short of Paul Christ's. Uh, what do you call it? His. Uh, Smallpox, Small sweatshirt. <laughs> uh, short of that, like I mean, I think getting through the early part of November, um, you know, Amir Smith Marset's OWI happened on Halloween. Um, Halloween's a big, big college holiday, and I think to get through that with only one team having uh, an outbreak. Uh, uh, lead to a game cancellation. I, I feel like the Big Ten's safe moving forward. Like you look at the Pac-12 and they had to reschedule a game in the middle of the week. They had to... For some, no, not in the middle of the week, the night before. The oh, was, before, it was right? like... <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it was literally the day. I think the game was scheduled for at Friday at the absolute earliest. The game was scheduled for Sunday, but I think it was scheduled on Saturday. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I mean... I would expect the Big Ten to do something similar if they had two teams declare unavailable early in the week. They would schedule a game for maybe a Sunday at nine o'clock in the morning. Not not here for that. Like you and me, we love the the eleven o'clock uh, Saturday games. But oh my god, um, I can't believe this week's a two thirty game. I cannot believe it. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. I think that, oh man, we're. Right in the same wavelength because that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, 
a hat on a hat. <laughs> the the best game is at two thirty. No, no, no. IU Ohio State is an eleven o'clock game. Oh, that no, but okay, that and Wisconsin and um, isn't Wisconsin Northwestern at two thirty? Oh, are they also at two thirty? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought I thought we had like a a full slate of Big Ten games. Let's see, let's see, Week Twelve. Ah, the the on the fly podcast research that everyone <laughs> knows and loves from yeah two yeah, thirty yeah. yeah I know my football schedule man we we get Michigan Rutgers at night great real real oh. nice work <laughs> <laughs> you're right that's why I thought that there was something we we're going on. yep mm-hmm. yep that's it um uh but anyways I mean I think just having a normal conversation in and of itself feels weird and it's it's nice to have that because, you know, I mean, football in a weird way outside of my immediate family is all I have, which is a very sad thing to say, I okay, think. Okay, I mean, <laughs> well, okay, well, you, should, you do have a very immediate family, I guess. So, yeah, that's, it, that's a fair point. Um, yeah. But it, it's really been like, oh, a little bit of solace. My Saturdays have been normal and um, as normal as they can be. Uh, it, it'd be nice to go and watch, watch him at a bar, maybe. But you know, yeah. the three month old child uh, you that might be, be out of the that. picture. Anyways. You wouldn't be doing that anyway. <laughs> no, no. Who are you? No. Uh, I'd find him babysit. Yeah. <laughs> that that. Hey, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm not quite sure where where we're going with that, but I think it's just um maybe bringing it back to, to the Minnesota game. Um, we're just, you know, ha- happy to be happy. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, you had, you had wondered about expectations and where we, where we'd seen this team who, 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 who had performed above and beyond what we were thinking, who was what we expected, who met, what we were maybe think what were what our connotations might have been, who met our expectations, and who was uh, failed to perform and live up. And I was wondering um, who who you've been most impressed by this year. Um, I think somehow it's the defense, like collectively. I, I, you were walking through some of those numbers. Um, I think to lose the guys that they lost, Geno Stone, Michael O.J. Mudia, not even before we even talk about A.J. Epinesa and um, uh, I think what it was two other defensive line starters, Christian Welch, we thought would be a big loss at linebacker, um, but haven't played necessarily for great mm-hmm. offenses. Um, but to me, to still have that sustainable Phil Parker defense, um, to me, that's the thing that I don't know how I'm continually impressed by what Phil Parker does um, with the pieces he has. Um, you know, last year, linebacker was a weakness, and now it's a strength. Like, I, I, it just feels like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the defense continuing to be the high, the already high expectations that we have for it and exceed it, to me, that's to me, the the starting point for what this has been in Iowa's season. I think Matt Reisner laid it out really well in uh, his column on Monday. And, yeah, even Phil to mention who, a guy who 
you know, would probably be playing right now if he stayed stuck with the team and Dylan Doyle even. Um, I mean, let's call it. And it, I, I mean, you have to agree. I think, you know, right now through four games, uh, 14.8 a game would be allowed is just, you know, something – if that sustains, it would be one of the best of Phil Parker's um, uh, career. And that's uh, illustrious up there. Um, you have to just look at, I, I don't know, we, we can't stop talking about Davion Nixon, but he's, he's, I, and I, I had really high expectations for him. You know, I was talking about him every chance I could before the season and he still somehow exceeded. Like he had that batted ball <clears throat> on third down against, uh, Minnesota on Friday night. Uh, I, I, I would like to see what, if he projects to go to the draft, um, after this year, because he, I just hope we get another year of watching him in an Iowa jersey, and then find, and then Tyler Goodson too. I think he, I think he's exceeded expectations a little bit. He's been really, really good. Um, he's got, you know, he's averaging six yards a pop, which is you know incredible. He there's a very outside chance he can reach a thousand yards in eight games. He's got three seventy five right now um, against the defenses I was going to be playing the rest of the year. It's not impossible. Um, but, you know, all things considered, I guess, variables to me, I guess, haven't changed that much. I, you know, I, I'm not shocked by anybody or anything, really, I guess. One thing is pretty surprising. We can get to that later. But just the way Iowa football, too, is being played is just not as met my – I don't know. It's the, the way Kirk has been managing the games, the way that <clears throat> Brian's been calling the offense, the way Phil's been calling the defense. All th- I feel – I'm not surprised by any of the three. They're all the same. We're getting Iowa football again and again and again. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that if there's one thing that from an offensive side, I think you're right. Tyler Goodson has exceeded expectations. Um, and, and like you said, they're, they weren't low. Um, everyone knew Iowa was going to need a running game coming into – uh, November uh, and December games. He's done great. Um, but yeah, I think Iowa football has been Iowa football. Um, I, I think the thing that Brian's done well has been that opening script. Um, it, it, and the frustration as a result of being good at one very specific thing is that you you being Brian, Brian is unable to kind of sustain that throughout a game. Um, you know, you the way I would view it, and this is someone never having played a snap of football outside of flag football, um, I, I would expect that what works during this script is something that you continue to try and do or feign doing and then do something else. Um to me, a good example of that are the bubble screens that Tyrone Tracy had in the beginning of the Minnesota game. Um, went to it twice, both got yardage, um, never saw it again. Tyrone Tracy is a guy you want to get the ball in space. Um, now, maybe it's just a game-to-game thing, and we'll see uh, them fake a bubble screen to Tyrone Tracy, and you beat someone over the top. Why can't you do that in the same game? Uh Irrelevant when you win 35-7, but I think that some of those little things that Brian could be doing better um, can eventually make Iowa more potent and could have 
maybe met, uh, you know, been better, uh, gotten wins against Northwestern and Purdue. Um, so, so I, I think you're exactly right. The, the one thing that we haven't discussed in terms of exceeding expectations is, um, Tory Taylor and Charlie Jones, I think from, oh, yeah. I had, <clears throat> I had no right. expectations, um, of Charlie Jones. Um, I he was getting a little bit of hype. I thought we were going to have an eco or who, who ended the year on part returns last year. Max Cooper. Max Cooper. Really? Uh, so I thought that, we were from get, what I remember, I thought, yeah. I thought we were going to get that. The Regani experiment lasted four games too long last year. <laughs> it was the most – I can't believe he didn't fumble a punt, but it was uh, – so it's just – it feels great having a punt return you can trust is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, and not just trust, but like – he can also do stuff. Like I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Well, yeah, he's a weapon. <laughs> he's a weapon. And, and then Tory Taylor. Like I mean, kid from Australia. You, Kid's a weapon just, too. You just uh, <laughs> assume the stereotype that this guy is going to have a pretty good leg, and it's even better than I think anyone thought. Like he's got like that swaggy little delay where if it's on the forty-five yard line, he'll hold it a beat longer and then kick it, and then basically he. Every single time it's inside the 10, um, which is all, I mean, that's what you, where you need to be punting it if you're punting it on your side of the field. Um, but like, you know, to have guys who excel in their roles to me is always fun. The, the Davion Nixon thing, I think, cause I had him as someone who was meeting my expectations because they were just so high. Like he was the, the one guy I looked to on the defense and I thought, wow, that, that guy is going to be great. Um, and I think Friday was a good example of the attention he's starting to bring, freeing up Zach Van Valkenburg to get three tap three sacks. Um, someone who I really didn't have many expectations for, just because he kind of existed in that murky area last year, didn't really do all that much. Um, but I, I think that start that's part of what having two man eaters, for lack of a better word, with Heflin and. Davion Nixon in the middle, it's going to free up your defensive ends um, and make offensives have to make decisions. Um, so, yeah, I think we're very much on the same page in terms of who's exceeded our expectations, um, which is exciting. It, it's honestly more people than I thought we would have if we would have been like, so who do we think is going to exceed our expectations this year? I, I don't think I would have, um, to be fair to Brian Ferentz, not one part of his game planning would have been a part of um, it uh, some ways to improve, but um, to have a hot starting offense is is certainly a good thing. Um, uh, Since we did the ad read, we'll just blow through the the normal break. Um, How about uh, people who have not met your expectations? I think there's obviously... Well, uh, an obvious, an obvious, obvious answer here, and that's you know the quarterback, Spencer Petrus. I was ready to ex, you know extol him as the best quarterback I've had since I've been an Iowa fan. Um, and that just hasn't happened yet. He is averaging under six yards of completion, uh, one more interception than touchdowns. He um, didn't luckily didn't have to do sh- crap against Minnesota. Otherwise, we might have been in trouble, honestly. Um, I And I just don't know what to do. I don't, I'm not ready to give up on him yet, but it's just um, 
he so I, I he I think we're able to tolerate it so far because I don't think he he didn't lose us either the Purdue or the Northwestern game necessarily. He didn't really help us win them, but I don't I wouldn't put him a loss. Well, actually, I don't know. He threw some pretty bad passes to Northwestern, so maybe he yeah he stinks. Yeah, that's the number one I have, and I think it's because he came from you know, breaking Jared Goff's records that it, those set expectations. Now Jared Goff had trouble to begin in the NFL, but still he was the number one draft pick for a reason. So transitive property unfair to Petrus, maybe a little bit, but also Iowa went out and got him over Zach Wilson. So I think seeing Wilson perform the way he did, and then you see what, uh, Petrus had and like, okay, so there's a reason Iowa went after Petrus instead of Wilson. And I'm not saying that Petrus can't be the quarterback that Iowa recruited, but I think they are overmanaging the position to the point of paralysis. Um, what I, I did earlier today was what were, what did the first four starts look like for each of Iowa's previous three quarterbacks, uh, Stanley, Bethard, and Rudock. So Stanley, uh, and this is Big Ten starts, so they had a little bit of runway, and Bethard had some games before this, as did Rudock. Um, but when you look at where he stacks up, Stanley had 853 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions on the career, uh, or he was a 55% thrower in those four games. Um, not counted in those four games is his Iowa State game, which to me is something that when people went back and did a, here's the thing with Stanley, you always had that Iowa State game. With Bethard, you had kind of that Purdue game where he came in, gave Iowa a chance to win. I think they did win in 2014. Uh, and then in 2015, um, his numbers don't necessarily match up. Um, but he brought a lot more to the table from a um, mobility standpoint because in his uh, first four Big Ten starts, 51% passer, 636 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. But uh, Iowa was also 7-0 and in those games, and that's something that uh, you live with, 7-0 being the 7-0 and start in um, 2015. Rudock, the best of the bunch, actually. I would say with um, 60% passer, more or less, 873 yards, um, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, and when you look at Petrus, he's a 54% through these four games, 750 yards, which is more than just Bethard, three touchdowns, four interceptions. And I think the one thing I take away from this as much as anything is the attempts that he's had um, exceed uh each of the other three guys by wide margins, especially when you're looking at Bethard. And I think we have enough to know what he's not going to be. And I don't think he is a game changer at quarterback, um, which is disappointing um, considering I did have the high expectations for him, but Iowa makes it such an administrative position that just the paralysis of it, they don't make it easy for him. But when they do make it easy, he does look good. Um, 
And that's the frustration that, that I have as it pertains to not Petrus, but the staff's use of him. Um, that's where I, I struggle to criticize the performance without criticizing the kid. How does it work with what I was asking to do? Because nice kid, by all accounts, hate, hate to t- talk bad, bad about him, but you, you see, you know, the expectations that you and I and everyone else had for him. It, it's uh, disappointing, especially considering the, the offense that is around him. Uh, I mean, yeah, you said he looks good when the Iowa offense makes it easy for him, but I can't say the Iowa offense has made it easy for him in four games. So um, there's just some pushback on that. You mentioned, you know, the cast around him. I didn't even take that into account, too. Really, a well above average offensive line to start. Uh, a potential all-conference all guy running back, and then three really great receivers, and then our Sam Laporta, the tight end, is a leading receiver on the team. So you have a security blanket, in which I didn't. I mean, it's a you know he's probably Laporta's probably his second or third look look most of the time, right? So it makes sense if he's so. But at the same time, he's shown to have a tendency to stare at stare somebody down. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think we're in territory where if he has a bad first half against Penn State, he gets pulled, or is it going to? Do you think? Because I can't. I I can see the entirety of the Penn State game being the final straw. This is this is where I think we get back to kind of. Sorry, my other monologue about just how Iowa continuously puts themselves behind the eight ball. I don't think there's urgency for Kirk Ferentz to make a decision at half to go with Padilla. They're two and two. Um, let's say let's say Petrus throws two picks, and I was down two scores going into half. And I think what what, what you're describing is exactly what James Franklin did uh, for. Oh, really? Penn State against, yeah, against Nebraska. Is, the quarterback problem... had two wretched turnovers. One of them, both of them led to points, and he was the reason they lost as much as anything. I I just don't think that's in Kirk Ferentz. Um, he's not playing for anything necessarily. I He's framed this as a developmental season. Um, he continuously brings back, oh, he never had a spring. He's been there for two years. So that's the thing that I just struggle with is he's been there for some amount of time, but not enough. You felt real good to put him in over Mansell immediately. Um, I, I, but I don't think Kirk Ferentz will pull the trigger because even though, like I said, I think we all know what Petrus is not. He could be a very good, replacement level quarterback if you don't ask him to do too much. But mm-hmm. if I was truly chasing division titles over the next three seasons, do you want Petrus or do you want to check under the hood and see what Padilla could give you? And if you don't like what either of them give you, just a full open competition in the spring, including Hogan, because I don't think Hogan is not ready by any stretch of the imagination, in my in my opinion. Um, but I think the quarterback position is the one that Ferentz 
refuses in a way to unlock yeah. by overburdening it with administrative tasks. I mean, yeah, that's why it took so long for Bethard to get ahead of Rudolph as alluded to before. I don't know. I don't think the, so Clifford, did he get benched at half or did he get a little bit of run in the third quarter too? Uh, I was in and out of this game cause I was okay. watching. Not that it really um, matters. But I mean, he 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 played very poorly, and they went to Levi's, I believe, at half. It might have even been in the second quarter. The um, problem, the problem, I don't think that's a fair comparison because Clifford had he won ten games last year. He's got a body of work behind him, um, so that is maybe a little bit surprising to me that he did get pulled. Whereas with Petrus, I don't know. I just don't. I, I guess I would be surprised. Unless he, you know, three interceptions in one half to see him get benched uh, this week, but I don't know. It, and it's not like when Padilla has played this year already, we haven't seen anything from him. I think the first run was a bootleg, wasn't it? Or the first play call he got was a bootleg. So, and we we would, we would never see anything out of a backup quarterback anyway in garbage time. So, I, I don't know. I, I just, you know, the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy. And you're exactly I mean, right, Ben. Yeah. You're exactly right. You're, you're calling me on that. Um, so, so Petrus is going to, you know, I'm not going to be mad because, I mean, I, I truly don't believe Padilla is going to go in and be revelation the way CJ was over Rudock. Um, Padilla's way smaller than Petrus. Um, um, so, I, I mean, I guess we just kind of have to go to war with the armor you have with the quarterback and just have to support him the best we can. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I will support whoever is starting quarterback for Iowa. I don't want that to, to necessarily be crossed. I, I just think that there's potentially a higher ceiling with a different quarterback, just because th- this just gets back to like Kirk Ferentz's long body of work with a lot of different quarterbacks I I don't see a game breaker in there from Petrus. Can can that get fixed? Is it a function of this weird season? Maybe. Like I think that that's part of the the discussion that we were having at the beginning. It's like it's nice to talk about like oh is is the quarterback underperforming? Um, not necessarily fun, but uh, maybe it is all the time that he didn't have. Um, but. A lot of guys didn't have a lot of time who, who look good. And I think it, it runs both ways. Like, I think it's a coaching issue as much as, if not more than, a player issue. Because, um, like I said, there was a reason they recruited him. Uh, there's a reason that he broke the records that he did. Um, and, and I we've probably discussed a little too long harping on Petrus, but... I. They're two and two with him. Uh, I think if he's better, they win maybe one game more. I think they win the Northwestern game if he's better. Um, if Brian's better, they win the the Purdue game. It's a team game. I mean, if the defense was better, they win both of them. Uh, <laughs> so, right. so I, I think <laughs> I, I think that um, ultimately it's like you said, Kirk's going to go to the war, go to war with the quarterback he has, and it's been Petrus since basically Stanley left. It, there was never a true open competition for for starting quarterback, even if there had been a spring. Yeah, you're right. 
And, you know, now I just want to see how Peyton Mansell is doing at. Where is he? Abilene. Abilene Christian. As we turn to uh, guys who have met our expectations, I guess here, here's an honorable mention, Ooh. not met expectations. Keith Duncan. Now, he hasn't had many oh. field goals to kick, but he's missed a couple. They had the weird thing go on with the missed extra point, which did give Brian an opportunity to go for two, which I respect. Um, but that's an honorable mention, not met, not met expectations. Although he did have a career long, I think, uh, against Northwestern. Was it Northwestern? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But for someone who has met my expectations, I think I... I kind of got out of it by saying Davion Nixon was someone who I had very high expectations, who has met them. Um, let's say Riley Moss. More more Riley Moss love, but between the, the Blackheart Gold Pants podcasts. He was someone who I thought was a high-variance guy, and he has proved to be a high-variance guy, with the exception of probably hitting the good parts of his game a little more than the bad parts. I think he's really only gotten beat once deep against Michigan State, and he's looked really good in run support. That's something that um, I'm not necessarily sure I noticed before. Um, He had a really good tackle for loss uh, against Minnesota. Um, You know, just another solid walk-on defensive back that Iowa's got from, uh, you know, the state. Exciting times. I mean, yeah, and Bob, you know, obviously things are a little down for him this year, but I've got really no doubts on him going on to succeed, I think, in the NFL. Um, this has just been a weird year, and Kirk hasn't put him in a great position to make his kicks either all the time. This is not Kirk, rather, but uh, the offense. Um, you think about how windy that <laughs> how windy that kick was that we just wasn't even close up in Evanston. Um so I think there was ta- – I mean, is he going to he, – he's a senior, but he still gets one more year, right? If he wants it. Like, I like I think that's the interesting thing with a lot of these teams uh, or these players have some interesting decisions to make. Like, ooh, Peyton Mansell, he is a 1,000-yard passer. I know. I saw um, – they, they 61%, they five had, touchdowns, three interceptions for a two- team that's one and four. Yeah, they had two games canceled too. Man, but when they they're play, playing they, up. They play Virginia Saturday. Ah, uh, interesting. No, not interesting, interesting at all. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So we'll see another Nate Kading hopefully in the NFL um, for Iowa. But yeah, the people are saying that Keith Duncan's kind of kicked himself out of maybe a, a late round draft pick but it's like well, uh, two kickers get drafted a year like <laughs> right sometimes none do so yeah I don't, I don't think that's a huge thing well and the thing that's always gonna be tough with Duncan is I, I mean he made that kind of 50 yarder right that's what he hit this yeah. year um but he just doesn't have that strong of a leg uh, I guess you lean on consistency when you don't have length. Um, I mean, if he gets, I mean, do do like dome teams take that into account? Uh, 
Because you're know. right. I mean, he would be a, a really good dome kicker, and like his, his, he's just going <laughs> to get longer. Is really what it comes down to. Like what what he's drafted is going to be the worst he ever is as a pro kicker. If he, I mean, that, do they typically really add length? Uh, I kind of assume so. I mean, I don't think I I don't think you would. Yeah, I guess you're right. You wouldn't sign him and have him do your kickoffs. You would want your to have a punter who could do kickoffs. Like yeah. I think, um, like a Vinitieri type is maybe because he's not all that long. Eh, I guess you might be right. Vinitieri was never a long kicker, and maybe Duncan isn't either. Yeah, but yes, they said Duncan was the leading percentage kicker in Iowa history the other day uh, before he missed that kick, which, yeah. like you said, was an unfair yeah. kick for him to make. Yeah. Uh, do you have anyone who has exactly met your expectations? Um, the defense. Just the defense. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, the expectations are so high. Um, yeah, that, that's it, though. That's all I wrote. That's funny that we both had things that met mm-hmm. the other's expectations but exceeded the exceeded ours. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so turning it to Penn State a little bit. I, uh, as I alluded to earlier, am just on absolute high alert. Um, I mean, we all should with be, the- buddy. Keep your head on a swivel, 2020. <laughs> 2020, indeed. Um, uh, team that's better than their record. Um, S&P Plus, ESPN's advanced stat has them uh, inside the top 20. Iowa just ahead of them. I think it's 13th and 16th. Um, a team that has Iowa's number. Um a team that I don't know if Kirk Ferentz will be willing to be leverage the right amount of creativity against. And I think the thing that scares me the most is um, the thing, what Petrus has maybe been the most frustrating in my, in my estimation is his pocket presence. And I would expect what we see Penn State do is never blitz in terms of overloading um, anyone, but continuously bring three to four guys from a number of different areas and confuse him from a coverage perspective, um, very much like what Northwestern did. Um, I just don't know. I just hope that Brian's ready for that because I think he will need to stay true to the run game. Um, Penn State against Nebraska had the ball for like 36 minutes. Um, it's a team that's willing to get into a rock fight um, and has with Iowa the last couple of years. Um, and now they're doing it from a position of weakness, but also like, what is it, uh, 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 this Darius Dogs, the hurt one, right? I mean, something like that. Um, I think that's where Penn State is right now in terms of trying to get some positive momentum going forward because, as we've discussed throughout this podcast, um, 
2020 is kind of that developmental year for everyone, and you don't want to see it go sideways if you're Penn State um, through five games. Because, as you said in your power rankings, uh, we never said what USC James Franklin was going to take the job of. Yeah, I don't think James Franklin's on the hot seat by any means, <clears throat> to, make, to, make, to make that clear. Um <laughs> I mean, you, you. I wasn't scared for Penn State until you just mentioned you, you trust Brian Ferentz to do something for his quarterback, and now I'm all scared. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like. I, I mean, like it. Like, I. I think. I just don't think that you can put the ball in. Spencer Petrus's hands and have him go win you a game right now. And nope, absolutely not. And I think Iowa even tried to do it a little bit against Minnesota. Like they mm-hmm. overforced balance um, when it really wasn't necessary. And after go- starting five of six, like he starts well. They're giving him throws he can hit to start. Um, he just goes sideways, and I ideally, Brian Ferentz said it in the offseason, you would have an offense that runs 70% or more. I think he needs to take a page out of Pat Fitzgerald's book, who's run the ball hilariously. Um, I think they had, like, uh, the last three or four games, they've averaged just three yards a pop, but they've still run the ball like 35 times each game. There is no excuse for Iowa not to commit to the run game with just go all in on it. Um, Penn State against Nebraska did show a weakness on uh, the end rounds. So that I saw that and that made me very excited. Um they get one of their touchdowns was a long end around play. Um, so I, I think you just involve a lot of guys there and, um, you know, give, give him throws that he can make that give Iowa's receivers an opportunity to make plays after um, catching the ball. And I don't want to say I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm very guarded about this game but optimistic that they can pull it out, which I don't know if that's cautious. What's the difference between cautious and guarded, Ben? I think that's <laughs> that's um, maybe the question. Cautious and guarded would be, like, reluctant. I don't know. Were you a willing or unwilling participant in your own destruction? I can't really... Hmm. I don't well, know. Ben, I, I'm, I'm doing this podcast with spit up on my shoulder, so I am 100% a William, willing participant in <laughs> that my makes, own destruction. That makes two of us. <laughs> um, I mean, I would just, more than anything, you know, I just want to get the James Franklin um, off of our backs and... <clears throat> You know, I haven't watched him at all this year. I got, I, got, I, got, I, got not, I got nothing to say, really, about him, for being honest. I thought Clifford really, truly, I thought he was – last year he had a really great year. He – he, um, I mean, he beat Iowa pretty good last year, I remember, in that night game. 
uh, I'm so I'm surprised to see him benched, but so I mean I guess it makes me a little bit nervous now we're playing a quarterback with no tape. Um, you know, a team a team like that. Um but now, you know, I know everybody's human and if Nebraska can knock out one Penn State quarterback, I'd hope we can do the same. Yeah, I I, I think that I think they keep the ball moving forward. Like, that's what I said this time last week was I just wanted to see things continue to move forward. And by that, I mean, like, don't regress in terms of not leveraging end around on offense. Like, to me, that's kind of the baseline of it all from a a progress or moving back standpoint. Um, I So, I... I just hate that I know this is going to be an ugly game. Like, I just know it's going to be ugly. I know that Iowa is probably going to look like the better team for long stretches of it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's like that game uh, uh, two years ago um, where Stanley missed Hawkinson down the center of the field, which frankly was maybe Brian Ferentz's best call of his life. (laughs) (laughs) Herb's and they pulled game. out oh, yeah. all the stops yeah. to beat Penn State, and um, they just couldn't. Uh, but they had Trace McSorley that year, and neither of these quarterbacks is Trace McSorley. Um, thank goodness, because that guy just – he uh, worked Iowa like a part-time job. I hate him. I hated him so much. You only hate people you lose to, right? I mean, yeah. And I think didn't wasn't there a story like Kirk recruited him to play safety or something? Like or everybody recruited him only to play safety. Wasn't Penn State the only place he could play QB? Like just went to brought Penn State to a Rose Bowl. Ugh. Well, Ferentz is fifty fifty on those calls. Yeah, Rocky you're right. Lombardi would make a hell of an Iowa safety. Yeah. God, you're right. <laughs> Oh man, Ben. I'm sorry. I've I've monopolized this time a little bit. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like it's it's fun to to have Iowa football. Like I I I can officially say halfway through this year that whatever pessimism I had about this team it exists in some respect. Yeah. But the fact that <laughs> it's never going away. It's never going away. Yeah. But the fact that um, there's a normalcy to it, that is, um, maybe to bring it full circle, that is something I did not expect. Um, so I don't know. A- any final thoughts about anything? you want to talk about your uh, uh, Vikings one last time? The, the Masters I mean, thoughts? Oh, Masters, it was fun. Uh, it's, it was nice. You know, I didn't leave my house Saturday or Sunday. Uh, and that's all I did, but you know, Dustin Johnson just, he had it you know, wrapped up by, you know, really the seventh or eighth hole, uh, on the day. So it wasn't, you know, that exciting Ty- I was, most exciting part of the day is did you see Tiger notched the t- he notched the 10 on one hole and he still ended the round with a 72, which is insane. Like, God, gosh, dang it. Um, I saw so the Masters could have been a little bit more competitive and then the Vikings tonight. I mean, great. I'm really happy our five and six team beat a team that's now also, I think the Bears are one game ahead. I think they're six and five now. I don't know. I don't know how the, this works. You know, <clears throat> we still have Kirk Cousins. 
Yeah, instinct. I mean, what do you want me to do? The the treadmill of mediocrity. Yeah, four and five. Are they four and five? Is that what it is? Now they're now the Vikings they are four the, and five. The Bears out of the, are five. the yeah, Vikings are four and five. Bears are five and five. Um, I think Bears have a bye this week. I don't know. Mm. Uh, we kill Nick Foles. Nick Trubinsky's hurt. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry, Bears. What a world. I'll say this much about the NFL. I am a Packers fan, ostensibly. It was always fun. It's still fun with uh, you and Max when, you know, we had the NFL, NFC North yeah. triad going on. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the last couple of years, they have won almost every single game that I have not watched and lost almost every single game I've even tried to pay attention to. Um, That's what you get. That's called comeuppance. You're welcome. It's it's unbelievable. Like, every single time, like, against Tampa Bay, I'm watching the game. Uh, they're up, like, 14-0. I see Aaron Rodgers do that weird celebration. I'm like, yes, let's keep watching football. All you, all, uh, every, everything he does is weird. Yeah, the the weirdest NFL quarterback. And then I go in to like make a drink or get a seltzer or whatever. And I'm like, ah, I, they're about to throw a pick six. I'm just getting cocky uh, watching this game. Why am I even trying to watch it? And I come back on the TV to see uh, Aaron Rodgers getting picked off and the guy returning it for a touchdown. So I'm like... Man, I, I just don't know Sundays. I guess I'm just going to turn into an apple-picking dad now. Like, that's what I am. Oh, uh, take me with you. <laughs> Sunday was awesome because I didn't watch any NFL at all yesterday. I watched The Crown and The Mandalorian and The uh, Masters. It was the best Sunday ever. No no NFL consumed. Like, tonight stink, stunk because I... Uh, couldn't catch up on my shells on Monday night. Monday night, so, so you know, committed three hours to the Vikings. Oh, boy. Well, that, I'm I'm sorry for that. Are are we just going to end up having to have you come down here and quarantine with us, Ben, as we enter this winter cycle <laughs> of waiting for the vaccine? I don't think you want me. <laughs> you went from one baby to two. If I come uh, down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah. uh that's hilarious oh my goodness <laughs> hey at, le- at least you can like, use a toilet yeah well one use a toilet and two <laughs> cook meals oh uh, yeah i guess it's true <laughs> oh boy Alrighty. well ben thank you as always for accompanying me and chatting hawks and other stuff it's been a it's been a whirlwind i i honestly cannot believe we've had what is this three straight uh optimistic podcasts in a row what a world what a world i mean you kind of gotta look at the competition but fine <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah. Compared to our, our first handful, there, we're not a, optimistic. There's important context <laughs> we had. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Alrighty. Well, for Ben Ross, aka Ren Boss, 
for myself, HD underscore star, Harrison star, Boiler Hawk, whatever. Uh, that's another episode of the Pants Parties. Go Hawks! Skull Vikings, let's win this game.